Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it will make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. Welcome back or welcome to Being Better Podcast if this is your first time here. I'm very happy you are here and I hope you are having an amazing day. I really do. And if you are, don't hesitate to share that with me. You can DM me on Instagram, for example, and write about the nice things that have happened to you this week. Or you can write about what you are looking forward to. I know that there is at least one thing that we can all be grateful for. And, you know, it has been scientifically proven that having this kind of gratitude practice makes us happier and also healthier. And you know that I love me some scientifically proven practices. Um, so today, for example, I I think I'm grateful for music. I mean, nothing makes my day like going on a run and listening to some bangers. And I mean, the genres vary uh, from jazz to rock to classical. I do love all of them. So today I'm grateful for Miles Davis, Beyonce, Mozart and ACDC. They're all so great. And I mean, the ability to recognize tones and beats, which is called musicality in the scientific world, you know, musicality is so incredible if you think about it. Some scientists even argue that we developed musicality before we even developed speech. I mean, isn't that crazy? Okay, but before I get into the science of music, let's talk about the recommendation of this week, which is a book by Eckhart Tolle called A New Earth. So this book shows how transcending our ego-based state of consciousness is not only essential to personal happiness, but also how it is the key to ending conflict and suffering throughout the world. Tolly describes how our attachment to the ego and basically our attachment to all identifications like to nationality or to a religion or to gender, career or to sexuality, how these kind of identifications create the dysfunction that then leads to anger, jealousy and unhappiness. The ego thrives on comparison, being right and judging others. But Tolly argues that there is another path and this story is described in A New Earth. And I read about a third of the book and so far what I have found the most interesting is how we identify ourselves first with our thoughts or our body, so how we think that we are our body or how we think that we are our thoughts. But also beyond that, how we identify ourselves with our name or our interests or religion or job. So, for example, if someone asked me who I am, I might answer, you know, I'm Julia. I'm a podcaster, a runner, a vegan and environmentalist, a, you know, Polish-born science enthusiast. But actually, none of these things are actually who I am. And Tolly also writes about that uh, he thinks that the word I is particularly harmful. Through it, through this word, we learn to associate with our emotions and our thoughts. 
he writes that as we grow up, the original I thought attracts other thoughts to itself. We become identified with a gender, possessions, the sense perceived body, a nationality, race, religion, profession, and other things that I identifies with our roles, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, and, and so on. Also accumulated knowledge or opinions, likes and dislikes, and also think that you know, quote, happened to me in the past, the memory of which are thoughts that further define my sense of self as, quote, me and my story. So these are only some of the things that people derive their sense of identity from. And I do find all of this very eye-opening. And if you do too, um, definitely go grab A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle uh, wherever you buy books. And you can also find the link to to this book in the episode uh, description. So with the recommendations of the week out of the way, let's get into this episode. And today I want to talk about anger because I think it is a commonly misunderstood emotion and it often takes control of us to the point when we can ruin our relationships, you know, hurt others, hurt ourselves or ruin the possibility of um, a future opportunity, like for example, getting a job just because of anger. And, you know, sometimes anger can control us completely unknowingly because we often you know develop the habit of shoving our anger deep down acting like everything is fine and making ourselves miserable as a result so yeah anger if handled inappropriately can be extremely destructive and in this episode we will talk about what anger really is how it influences us and finally how we can take control of it in a healthy way and of course it wouldn't be a being better episode if I didn't cite a few studies along the way which you know of course are all going to be linked in the episode description so first and foremost what really is anger as most of our emotions, it is simply a chemical reaction in our brain. Um, scientists believe that anger has been hardwired into the brain over millions of years of evolution. It is a part of our instinct to fight off threats, to compete for resources, and to enforce social norms. So if you want to pinpoint Anger is rooted in the brain's reward circuit. We are constantly and often unconsciously weighing up what we expect to happen in any situation. And when there is a mismatch between what we've learned to expect and this unexpected reality, our brain's reward circuit starts a kind of alarm and then activity is triggered in a small region of the brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of the brain that processes fear, triggers anger, and also motivates us to act, but not the positive kind of motivation for sure. The amygdala also alerts us uh, to danger and activates, you know, the fight or flight response. So when anger triggers the body's fight or flight response, it causes the adrenal glands to flood the body with stress hormones um, such as cortisol or adrenaline or testosterone and therefore preparing us for physical aggression. 
But whether we actually end up swearing or scowling or even punching someone, it all depends on a second brain area, which is called the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for decision-making and reasoning. It puts our anger in context, reminds us to behave in socially acceptable ways. And for most of us, most of the time keeps our primal instincts in check. So we can control our anger through the prefrontal cortex um, from the scientific point of view, of course, because anger is triggered by the amygdala, but the level of our ability to control it is defined by the prefrontal cortex. But the main thing that I want to talk about today is why. Why do we feel anger? And from the psychological standpoint, anger is an emotion we feel when things aren't under our control. So, for example, the situations where someone does something wrong or when we have to wait or when someone insults us. Basically, we just hate not being able to control our lives and our surroundings and the people who live close to us. When someone insults us, for instance, I think we just hate not being able to control what people think of us. And we also fear of our reputation being destroyed because of that insult. And right, fear, I think it is a crucial thing to remember and probably the most important thing you can get from this episode is that anger isn't an emotion that can be triggered in and of itself. No, anger is always caused by some other emotion. It can either be fear or sadness, fatigue, nervousness, anxiety, or being overwhelmed, or just being simply surprised. So this is how anger is different from emotions like joy or sadness, because we feel joy because we are joyful and we are sad because, you know, something sad has happened or we don't have enough dopamine. However, anger is an exception in this case because, like I said, it's always triggered by something else, even though we often don't realize that that is the case. But the fact that anger is always caused by some other underlying negative factor doesn't mean that it isn't valid. I don't want you to think that. Uh, I mean, if you are angry, for example, at the bus driver because he was late and you are afraid that you're going to be late to your meeting, it's completely understandable that you will feel angry. It is understandable, but you also have to think if it is helpful in any way. Will you being angry at the bus driver change anything? Because also another reason why we are angry, we are mad, is because in some cases we fabricate the feeling of anger just to justify these underlying emotions. And when I first learned about this concept, my mind was really blown. I think I first stumbled upon this concept that we can create anger. I think I first uh, read about it in the book titled The Courage to be Disliked by Ishiro Kishimi, which I believed I recommended in the past um, it's written in the form of a conversation between a philosopher and a young man who is searching for just a way to be happier. And during one of their conversations, uh, the young man told the philosopher about his burst of anger in the coffee shop after the waiter spilled coffee onto him. He said that he shouted at the waiter, even though he really wasn't that particularly 
angry. And the philosopher said that he can explain it with a story, which I'm going to now read to you. So one day a mother and a daughter were quarreling loudly. And then suddenly the phone rang. Hello? The mother picked up the receiver hurriedly. Her voice was still thick with anger. The caller was her daughter's homeroom teacher, and as soon as the mother realized who was phoning, the tone of her voice changed and she became very polite. Then for the next five minutes or so, she carried on a conversation in her best telephone voice. But once she hung up, in a moment her expression changed again and she went straight back to yelling at her daughter. In a word, anger is a tool that can be taken out as needed. It can be put away the moment the phone rings and pulled out again after one hangs up. The mother isn't yelling in anger she cannot control. She's simply using the anger to overpower her daughter with a loud voice and thereby assert her opinion. So anger is a tool for which we can reach to achieve something or to justify our actions. And this idea really blew my mind. I, you know, always thought that I cannot do anything about these emotions because they're not under my control, you know. These are chemical reactions in my brain and what can I do uh, about my amygdala, you know. I also thought that they're caused by something external and I cannot control that. However, the truth is completely opposite of that statement. The truth is that we sometimes create the feeling of anger just to justify the need to shout at or insult or to attack someone. Because, again, anger is often caused by fear or by sadness. But it is all under our control because it is a tool and a tool which we can decide to use or not to use in tough situations. If we choose not to reach for that tool, which is not easy, by the way, I'm not saying that usually we are angry and we punch someone just because we want to. No, I'm not saying that it's easy to control our anger, but it is possible. And if we choose not to reach for this tool, we can stay calm and stay clear-headed in really any difficult situation we face, which is beneficial for our physical health and our mental health, and as well as the health of the people around us. Think about how the world would be a better place if we learn to control our anger. So I think it is very important to remember that we do sometimes fabricate anger to achieve a certain goal. And anger is just the result of our desire to feel angry. Sometimes we want to shout at the waiter, so we get mad. And sometimes we want to feel justified or good about insulting the bus driver, so we get irritated that he's late and we think that, you know, it's it's justice that we shouted at him because it's his fault that he was late. So every time you start to feel enraged, I think you need to ask yourself, what is the goal that you want to achieve through that anger? And first address that. So for example, when I am angry at someone who was late to a meeting with me, or in the age of pandemic, someone who was supposed to call me at 6 p.m. and instead called me at 8 
So when I'm angry at these kind of people, it is usually only because I feel like that person isn't respecting me and I am fearful of not being enough in their eyes. So when I realize that this is the case, I should first take care of my feeling of self-worth and realize that I don't care how these people see me and it is even if these people don't respect me and this is why they're late it doesn't affect my worth so when you first realize these underlying problems or these underlying emotions that cause your anger you can take care of them and you can go through these situations without needing to be angry but for sure it is easier much easier said than done and we grew up, most of us grew up in an environment when no one questioned anger and we are not really taught how to control anger. We are just taught that you should be able to do it and that a well-mannered person doesn't shout at people. So we know that we shouldn't do it but we are not taught how to control our anger and this is what I want to talk about now how we can really learn to take care of anger in a healthy way and first of all we need to ask why again what is the underlying emotion that is causing you anger there's often you know a purpose behind our anger and we need to ask what am I trying to achieve Sometimes when we want to shout at the waiter, it just might be that you have something bothering you and you want to transfer that negativity to get that load off your mind. Or it might be that the waiter looks alarmingly similar to your eggs, which brings up bad memories. And that is hard to deal with. And it can you know, also be something completely different. But it is very necessary to... First, when you first feel anger, just ask why. And also be aware of it. So maybe that should be my first recommendation. First, when you, you know, feel anger, you have to really notice that there is anger here. This is something that I have learned through meditation, which is that often when we pay attention to anger and we are aware that we feel it and that it is here and we let ourselves feel it for however long it might take it usually takes just a couple of minutes and then it passes and I think because we learned to shove our anger deep down and go through our day or our week or even sadly some people go years shoving their anger deep down and not addressing the underlying problem when we do these things this anger can be poisonous to us for such a long time but if we let ourselves feel it for the next 30 seconds when it happens or a minute or two actually it will just disappear and I think I talked about it in one of the previous episodes that I got irritated when I was in the waiting room and I was supposed to get my blood work done and there were so many people and actually I just usually I would get really angry because I'm really impatient but I just decided to let myself feel it and it actually I just stopped being angry and irritated after the first 30 seconds 
And this is also proven scientifically, by the way. I will link a study in the episode description which found that, quote, people more certain about emotions reported less anger and less relational aggression. And I do, I really, really do believe that being aware of our emotions, if they are bad or if they are good, or, you know, we probably shouldn't even label them, but whatever emotions we feel, being aware of them and letting ourselves feel them is a really much healthier way of going about life. And if you want to learn how to quickly realize that you are angry and learn how to quickly ask yourself what is the reason, I think to do that a good way is to try a mindfulness practice such as meditation or yoga because at the beginning it is really difficult to stop yourself when you are angry and ask wait 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 what what am i doing what i'm trying to achieve why am i angry at the beginning it's really hard to just control yourself like that but i think through having this kind of awareness practice such as meditation when you just sit and you notice how all of these different emotions are developed and how they feel and you can get to know them better how they influence your muscles and how they physically feel in your body this can help you then you know when you are in a meeting you can recognize anger faster and you can also control it faster so then I think once you recognize it, for example, let's stick to the meeting example. So once you recognize that you are angry at a meeting, either find a way to take care of the reason of your anger. So if um, the reason is fear, you are fearful of something, you need to find a way to take care of that fear. Or a good way, which is sometimes underappreciated these days, is to walk away from this situation if you know that you have trouble with controlling your anger and that you might hurt someone if you don't control it it's really better to just step away from that situation for a moment i just think i've recently heard uh, about in a podcast that there was a couple and the guy was really bad with controlling his emotions and he said that you know I've learned that each time we are having a fight and I know that I am getting angry and I probably might hurt my partner I just go out of the room sit there for a minute or two and then come back to our discussion or the argument because even if you think that you are right and that you have a point even though you think you have a higher ground it's still worth it to step out of the conversation, take a deep breath and come back. And lastly, an amazing way to deal with our strong emotions, not only anger, but also sometimes sadness and fear, is to establish a better exercise routine and workout routine. We all know that exercising is healthy and it makes our heart work better and it makes our immune system better but sometimes we forget that it is also so so good for our brain when we have an excess in our cortisol or testosterone or adrenaline or all of these kind of stress hormones a workout is a great way 
to get calmer and release all this excess of stress hormones. You know, I'm not saying that if you are in a meeting and you are angry, then you should run out and go, you know, to a gym. I'm just saying that if you establish a better routine, which you do, I don't know, three, four, five times a week, even if it's just a walk, if you consistently do a workout routine, then you will much less often find yourself in situations where you feel like you are very angry and it's hard for you to control it. Because, you know, it's basic chemistry and basic math, actually, because, you know, when you have an excess of uh, these hormones, it's impossible for us to to control them. And also, at the end, I think I want to say that it's I think it's important to think about the situation we are in and ask if it is even worth us getting angry. Because sometimes these situations are really just so insignificant. You know, a waiter that is late with your order, it's really sometimes not worth it. Because as you might have observed in your own experience, I'm sure, anger is extremely destructive. I mean, from a physical standpoint, we know that when we are angry, the brain shunts blood away from the gut and towards the muscles in preparation for physical exertion. You know, the heart rate and blood pressure and respiration increase and the body temperature rises and the skin perspires. And this can all result in metabolic changes and headaches and insomnia, digestion problems, you know, higher risk of heart disease and all these kind of really bad things. I mean, I think we all know how stress and anger can be dangerous to our health. And the next time you find yourself wanting to shout at someone, just, you know, think if it's worth it. That is it for my talk about anger. I hope that it was helpful. And for the insight of this week, I want to share with you my thoughts on the difference between being alone and being lonely. And I think some of you might be aware of it. I don't know. I think that in today's world, being alone is something we we really don't want to be perceived as being alone. I mean, most of us would be really afraid to go to a restaurant if it was open but let's imagine it is open and go to a restaurant and eat alone i mean i'm not gonna i don't have higher ground here i also would be afraid to be to sit alone in a restaurant but i think it's so so stupid because you know usually why we um, don't want to sit alone in a restaurant is because we are afraid that others will think of us that we don't have friends that we are alone and they they will pity us or they will assume that something is wrong with us and the reason why we think these things because we associate being alone with loneliness and I am I don't like to like identify uh, with these labels, but I'd say that I am somewhere in between being an introvert and an extrovert. I like meeting with people, but I think I thrive by myself. I love going alone to the movies. And sometimes when I am out in a city doing something, 
or when I'm in a social gathering and I really just want to, for example, I want to read a book and I sometimes feel insecure that people will see me with that book and not with uh, friends and it's so stupid and I really hate that I'm feeling that and maybe I should have a tattoo on my forehead which says I am not lonely so you don't have to pity me even though the problem is just in me so um, I don't know I feel like if I knew for sure that people were looking at me knowing that I am just alone and not lonely and if I had you know a sign that can show them I think I would be more comfortable I don't know I just wanted to also share just the amazing power of being by yourself as an introvert I don't know if I'm an introvert anyway I do like to you know go for a run by myself I like to go to the movies by myself I like to go for a walk by myself and to all of the people who are I don't know afraid to to be by themselves I just want to share with you that it's really amazing and it's really helpful to develop this kind of practice uh, of being okay with you with your thoughts because at the end of the day you will have to spend the rest of your life with yourself and for most of your life you will be by yourself and you can try to surround yourself with people but we actually learned that you know shit happens pandemics happen and sometimes you will have to be alone and even if it is currently uncomfortable for you to go to the movies by yourself and I you know should probably um, practice uh, my being alone and more just I know we should do some fear setting here so I suggest we should all think about something which is a bit out of our comfort zone being alone in a social situation and we should all practice that for a bit if you're total beginner start with going on walks just by yourself without headphones without podcasts I'm sorry (laughs) you can listen to this podcast later um just you know go for a walk by yourself if you are in intermediate then go to the movies by yourself and I guess if you are me I guess we should go to the restaurant by ourselves which is really hard and I know that it is I don't know, for me it's uncomfortable, but I, I think that I should do it because I am always just complaining that people equate being alone with being lonely, but then I am not better than them because I I don't even want to, you know, go to the restaurant by myself because I am afraid that they will think this of me and this is all very very stupid and this is a vicious vicious cycle and I should probably do something about it it's that was a bit uh, of a random uh, rant but yeah I just think we shouldn't pity uh, people <laughs> I don't know it's so stupid I don't even know if people do actually think less of them maybe it's just that I am imagining things maybe I'm so focused on myself that I think that everyone else is thinking of me when actually they are just sitting um, in a restaurant and just thinking about how everyone else is thinking of them. And I think it's so crazy, you know, there's this spotlight effect, literally called the spotlight effect, that is in psychology, which I just remembered right now, that everyone thinks that uh, everyone else is looking at them. 
and this is called the spotlight effect and i think in restaurants it is particularly noticeable because when you are in restaurant I think we all feel that the spotlight is on our table. So everyone else is looking at who are we sitting with and what are we eating and everyone else is listening to us. And I think, well, yeah, the spotlight effect is uh, something that I really should keep in mind more. Um, this was a bit random and I hope you liked this insight and that this episode was helpful and interesting. Sorry for my raspy voice. I am hearing it right now. I think I should get something to drink. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really do love you for it and I will speak to you in the next one. is written, edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the show notes or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the show notes. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one is to just tell your friends and family about the show and tell them why you like it and why they should also listen to it. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe the podcast because that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.